happy Valentine's Day or sad Valentine's Day. You know, Valentine's Day, it's one of those holidays, even if you celebrate it or not, you're going to think about it. Because it's here, it's there, it's everywhere. Every day this week, every way this week, hearts, chocolates, letters, cupids, dates, all of that is going on. It's, it's kind of like Christmas. Even if you don't celebrate that, you can't help but think about it. And this is one of those holidays. Yes, you're thinking about the holiday, maybe trying not to think about the holiday, but you can't help but at least, I don't know, ponder it a little bit. What the holiday means in general, what it means for other people, what it means for those that are close to you, but really, we usually look inward around Christmas and on Valentine's Day. And we're all asking ourselves that question deep within our souls, am I happy or not? And also the question, am I alone or not? Because if you're not careful, Christmas has its way of making you realize just how alone you really are. And Valentine's Day, it is the same way. You'll realize it. Am I alone or not? And the people that loathe Christmas, they're alone. Or they have no family dynamic. And the people with, uh, that are alone feel the same way at Valentine's Day. But as soon as you get people in your life, Christmas becomes absolutely amazing. As soon as you get people in your life, Valentine's Day becomes absolutely amazing. Life is with people, and you need people. And one of the best ways to get people is do what you can to keep a good relationship with your parents, if possible. But then, that's not always in your control. But what is in your control is to marry good. You do that, you've got somebody. You do it right, you'll have children, and then you'll really have somebody. You have grandkids, then you'll really, really have somebody. Life is with people. And then, of course, having good church friends, church family. Life is with people. So if you're feeling alone or not, and the only people you feel like you have is me on this podcast, I hope I can be somewhat of a comfort to you wherever you are uh, listening. So I, w- I wish you a very joyous Valentine's Day. A lot of uh, interesting history around this holiday. There's there's really no one actual factual story that is confirmed, but I'll just tell you the one that I like the most. And it goes like this, that in the 3rd century, 300 or so years after Jesus, that Emperor Claudius II outlawed his young soldiers from marrying said they would not be suitable soldiers for war and for keeping the Roman Empire strong. So he said, you cannot marry. You cannot be tied up or bound to a woman. Well, there was a priest named St. Valentine who thought this was a great injustice, you know, because he believed in the Bible. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, right? So much in the Bible about marriage. So as a priest, the word got out. He was marrying lovers in secret. (laughs) 
out in the woods, out in the mountains, wherever they could go, really late at night. And uh, that's what he did. So that is the uh, tradition that I'm going to hold on to. St. Valentine was not stopping love at all. He was going to do whatever it took to perform God's holy sacred ordinance in a holy matrimonial ceremony for uh, Roman soldiers. And, and so the tradition is here that uh, the world may be against you, Caesar may be against you, law may be against you, but bless God, if you find the right preacher, you'll find love. <laughs> and he'll, whatever he binds on earth will be bound in heaven. So, so uh, yeah, there you go. So here in, in the United States, most of you listening to this are probably Americans. We don't have any laws that forbid marriage. Uh, you may not be eligible for marriage based upon uh, a, a marriage that still may be intact or for whatever reason, but there's really hardly any barriers to marriage these days. Sometimes age, this or that, the other, but really you can marry whoever you want to in the eyes of the state. The only thing that's really blocking it is uh, culture. Right? That word. Oh, you know, we love that word around here. The culture. And uh, culture is not really pointing people towards marriage. It's not. It's, it's not really pointing people towards family. It, it laughs at family. It, it calls husband and wife the enemy of the state. And instead, it's glorifying the community. <laughs> That's what they want. The village, right? Well, before you get duped into that, uh, realize this. If you, if you fall in love with your community and your village, there is no Valentine's Day. Cupid ain't after that. God ain't after that. Love ain't after that. Because God created husband and wife. A man shall not leave his father and mother and cleave unto his village. A man shall not leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his community. <laughs> man, go get a wife. That is the greatest fulfillment you ever have. It, it's the best thing you can do, guys. Marry the woman you love and have children with her. So culture's trying to do everything it can to us. stop that, to weaken men, to break down the family, and replace it with uh, communist chaos. Socialist New World Order stuff. But here, those of us who are loyal listeners, we've decided that's not our fate. That's not God's plan. And we're getting back to good old-fashioned guy and girl falling in love, building a life together. And I think the foundation of that happening is your dating. You learn how to date right, you'll marry right, and you'll stay married. The right. Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Take God's love to another level in your life by giving to the ministry of this podcast. Give an offering through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Thanks and be blessed. Something I want to kind of focus on today. We've done a, we've done a lot of uh, I guess uh, healthy relationships episodes. It's a subject that I really 
I feel like God gave me a lot of good content, and I've really helped a lot of people. Uh, This podcast began January of 2020, and since then I've received hundreds of emails. I quit counting. It's so many messages from people and how I help them find love. And what's funny is I'm not even a matchmaker. I can't stand it. By the way, if you listen to this and you come up and talk to me, I'm not going to say much to you about dating. I'm just going to tell you, listen to the podcast. I, I do this podcast so I don't have to have a conversation with you about it. I can't. I don't want to help set you up. It's just, that's on you, you and God. I'm just kind of like a voice crying from the wilderness, making the path straight uh, for you to find that wife, all right? So, but, uh, but if you have a question, come up and talk to me. You may not get much, but just stick with the principles that we teach and preach here on this podcast and you're going to be fine. But a problem that I hear from, from guys is that they're looking for that one. They're waiting for the one. That's right. They don't say I'm looking for the one. They say I'm waiting for the one. I'm waiting for the one. There's that one girl out there, like my destiny, my fate. To find that one. So ask yourself, is, is that how it is? Is that how God set it up, that there's one for everyone? I'm not so sure it's wise to look at it that way, and I'm going to break it down for you here. Now, let me be clear. After marriage, yes, there is the one. After you get married, there is only one, the one. One wife is all a man needs. But before marriage, when you're exploring the will of God, I don't think you need to think about the one. You just need to date and focus on if God is in it or not. Then that's how you will uh, have one wife forever. I don't think the uh, one approach, trying to find that one, is really healthy for, I guess, the psychology of dating and marriage. I don't. The one is kind of the soulmate concept. I don't like that either. That's sort of a a pagan deal. I, I like the idea of husband and wife. It is two roles to play that enter into a covenant relationship with each other and no one else uh, can go near it. Uh, Guys, once you have a wife, no other lady can serve you as, as your wife serves you. Wives, once you have a husband, nobody else can be a husband to you. That's the way it should be. I like husband and wife. I'm not looking for the one. You need to look for a wife, okay? Psychologically, it's not good for guys. I found guys that are always looking for the one. Uh, they're usually 38 and have come, <laughs> have come nowhere near close to marriage. <laughs> or, or, you know, a, a 43-year-old uh, dude or, or a nice lady looking for that one. It just doesn't seem to work out. I don't, I don't know. I, that's just how it is. I, I don't know if it's like they just get these high standards and nobody is good enough. And they're looking for that one. It's like these guys who are 46 and on a 1 to 10 in the looks department, the smell department, the everything department, they're a 2. Definitely in the smell department, a number 2. <laughs> but, they're <laughs> but they're looking for a girl who's a number 10 in all of those departments. They're looking for that one, that perfect one, that 10. You know, 46 years old and going to a Bible college live recordings and trying to uh, get sweet on a 19-year-old alto up there. Those are I'm looking for the one type of dudes. And uh, God bless them. Be nice to them. But stay clear. Get away from that. 
Okay. I don't know. I the one to, also it's kind of one of those it's a way of I guess redirecting your responsibility on something else or someone else or something up higher than you. You know, it's like God has the one for me. I'm waiting on God, you know, to uh, help the one to make her appearance in my life. And I have nothing to do with it at all. I don't have to do anything at all to, uh, for myself to get married. I don't have to do a thing for myself. It's all God. I'm just going to wait, and the one is just going to appear when my one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, were oneness Pentecostals, and the one girl is going to show up all by God. So, okay, you know, I get it. You know, I believe God can be involved. Certainly, if you do your part, he'll do his part. But this idea that God just has this one and I just got to wait on the Lord and it's just, I don't have to do a thing. Just, bam, there it is. I, that's rare. Okay, I get it. You know, but Adam, you know, you think about Adam. He didn't have to date. He just named all the animals. Got that taken care of. God put him to sleep, woke him up, and, I mean, boom. Beautiful Eve right there. Uh, you look at Isaac, didn't have to date. Abraham sent a steward out, brings her back, and there is beautiful, gorgeous Rebecca. Yeah, that's just not how it works nowadays. You know, back in the old days, parents uh, found the one. You, it, it wasn't, there was no pressure on the guy, no pressure on the girl. Parents took care of it. And so you found the one, the one who you found was who your parents uh, set you up with. So... Well, we really don't do that in our culture. In our culture, you've got to find a wife. And wife, you have to be found. You can't be hiding. <laughs> you got to be out there in the open, available, look available, talk like you're available, act like you're available. Okay. So this whole, I'm um, waiting for the one, you, one thing, guys, you're, you're like waiting for her to come up and, and date you. It's not going to happen. Unless you're a really weak man and you need a strong woman, then then I suppose that type of a dynamic can work. But most of you guys listening to this are not that way. <laughs> Pretty pro-alpha male around here, okay? And I make no apologies for that. So, yeah, your reason you may be single is you're just relying on fate, destiny, others, totally on God for that one to come to you. How is that working out? Well, I, it's not working. And so there's something else that you need to do. So it's time for you to take your own, to take responsibility for your own life, and for the most uh, earthly important decision you are going to make, and that is who you will marry. And you need to stop trying to find that one, and start focusing on what is possible. So I don't think you need to look for the one. Just look for a wife, and you will find the one. So the solution to your, I'm looking for the one singleness problem is simple, and that is date. Date. Chances are you're not going to know who you're going to marry until you've dated them for a little bit. Very rarely does God reveal who you're going to marry uh, before dating. If you've got prophetic insight, which from time to time I do, I knew Anna was the one. I, j I did. I did. I wasn't looking for the one. I did for a long time. That's probably why I was... Didn't get married till I was 27. I gave up on looking for the one and just, uh, I don't know, just 
<laughs> started doing these principles of dating that I created for myself, and it worked out. You need to date. Explore the will of God. Dating's a good thing. It's really becoming a lost art. Dating is simply spending quality time and conversation and having experiences with somebody to determine if you and her could be suitable for each other for marriage. By the way, this principle carries over after you're married. Why do you date after you're married? Well, to stay suitable for marriage. It keeps you on the same page. So dating is really, really important. I think it's the... It's like there's all these ideas developing on how to grow a church, how to grow people, how to add to the kingdom of heaven. They've got this program, that program, this and that. Therapy here, therapy there. Groups, all of this stuff. And we're realizing Bible studies is what grows a church. You know, you can go to like uh, these ice cream shops and they'll have 187 different ice creams. What are you going to get? Vanilla. Vanilla, maybe with a little butterfinger, maybe with some cookie dough. Vanilla's the best. And I think for marriage, the best thing you can do is not DMs. It's not. <laughs> it's dating. It can start in a DM. Nothing wrong with that. Works. You just can't DM your way yourself into a marriage. You have to date. You have to date. She needs to be able to experience the real you with an actual experience, such as a nice restaurant, Uh, maybe going to a museum, maybe just going on a nice hike, a walk. Mm. So, but there's these people out there, they're looking for the one, they don't want to settle, they don't want to settle, I don't want to settle. The no settle people are 52 years old and still single. There's a reason they call it settling down and getting married. You have to settle on some things. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, you know, if you're if you're looking for a ten and you're not a ten, you need to settle for what you are. If you're a six, get a six. And it's uh, the happiest married people in the world f- found what they were. If they if they were a one, they got a one. If they were a two point they got a two point If they were a three, they got a three. If they were a four, a five, a six, a seven, an eight, a nine, a ten, a one thousand, whatever it is. That's what you settle down for. So, guy, put yourself out there. If you see a nice girl, green light it as best as you can. Figure out as much as you can about her. Talk to other people. Go to her father, her father figure, and say that such and such a girl, you think she is delightful and would like his blessing to date her. Go to her pastor and say, Sister so-and-so, don't say I'm attracted to her worship. He'll know you're lying. You think she is absolutely striking. (laughs) And say, Pastor, I would like your blessing to date Sister so-and-so. They're going to say yes. Getting the blessing is simply keeping authority in the loop. It, It really is as simple as that, guys. So then... You know, it'll be awkward at first, but that's why you got to have a good experience. Good experiences make up for uh, awkward conversation. Why not do axe throwing? You know, axe throwing is becoming the new bowling. It used to be you threw, you know, the bowling ball into the pins. People don't roller skate anymore. Too worried about a broken ankle. I don't know. I liked roller skating. Uh, She's going to bump into you a lot. 
<clears throat> I'll stop right there. Axe throwing is good. Uh, going to an art museum, looking at art. A lot of times uh, in art, there's a lot of romantic art out there and, and lots to talk about with that on a date. I don't know. but So uh, anyway, um, so yeah, date. Date in the will of God, you'll marry in the will of God. Stop trying to look for the one and look for a wife. You do these things, you explore the will of God through dating, and God will give you clarity on if they are to be your future. I'm Justin C. Gleason. So nice to speak with you all again. Stay tuned for the second segment. The Justin C. Gleason podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Press follow and become a loyal listener. Give a five-star rating and write a great review. You can also get more content from me at the Life Church KC podcast. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. I created the second segment. Uh, it was like in 2022. You know, I'm I'm a preacher. I've been pre- I've been preaching uh, now for a little over 20 years, and in preaching, I'm really subject driven, really singleness of purpose with every sermon, which means I get one idea and I just break it down and cover every angle about an idea, a verse as much as I can. It's a great, effective communication style. I think that type of preaching uh, helps the sermon to become very, I don't know how to say it, but like digestible to the listeners. Uh, some of these topical guys, they'll, they'll have, you know, 47 verses about a topic all over the place. It's, it's kind of hard to follow, in my opinion, and it doesn't stick with you. Uh, this, the... I guess the expositor style, I'm, I'm not actually, I don't really exposit scripture how they taught me in Bible college. I'm more of an idea-driven preacher, and my ideas just stick in people's brains. Talk to people all the time. They'll remember what I preached four, five, six, seven, ten years ago because I'm a, a man of ideas. And so I try to do that also with this podcast, but I created what I call the second segment and it's, it kind of mimics a church service. You know, the preacher will get up and preach a sermon, and then after church, you talk to the preacher. He's not going to keep preaching to you. He's going to talk about whatever. And so that's what I wanted to give you the feel of. What is it like to talk to Justin Gleason after he speaks on a God, Bible, and church topic? And so uh, the second segment is to talk about <laughs> miscellaneous items a lot of it has to do with church, but sometimes news and things like that that we bring up that we think is just interesting and uh, just want to uh, talk about it. So uh, I went down to Because of the Times this year. Great trip, great conference. Haven't been in a while, but I'm so glad I went. Part of the reason I went is I, I became a pastor, and that's who that conference is geared toward, pastors. Uh, my dad has been going since the 90s. It was fun to go with him. Also, my my brother, Caleb Gleason, we had a great time, saw a lot of old friends. Uh, the social scene was 
just great, very refreshing to see a lot of people. Um, I, we literally slid into town, into Alexandria. A snow and ice storm came through and <laughs> we slid right up into the hotel. And I walk in and there's a model who is are. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> people I know have made it. You know, cause, and, and, and actually, I think, I think I heard like 200, 400, something like that. Just went ahead and canceled their registration just because of inclement weather. It was just horrible snowstorm over many parts of, of the country. But uh, it, was a, it was a phenomenal experience, great conference. It was the 40th because of the times, if you can believe it. And I loved that. Uh, they gave us all nice 40th anniversary because of the times coins. Put that in the collection. Really nice coin. A lot of, a lot of nice things they did. Uh... They showed like a, a 40th anniversary video, all of these uh, clips of famous preachers that preached famous messages at Because of the Times. It's just great to see uh, Merle Ewing up there, Bishop Kilgore up there, of course, G.A. Mangan, Billy Cole, T.F. Tinney, Lee Stone King, a lot of great preachers. And you know who made it into that, that archival video? My dad, Bishop Stan Gleason. I, th- I thought that was uh, pretty exceptional. That was really neat. Um, I love hearing Brother Mangan talk about Because of the Times. And he talked about early in his ministry, he, he was pastoring a church in Plano, Texas, and he said things were going so good. That church was just growing fast. But I guess it was in, uh, I think I remember, 1980? I think he said 1980. Maybe 81, 82, I can't remember. His father, Bishop G.A. Mangan, contacted him and and asked uh, his son, Bishop Anthony Mangan, to come back to Alexandria and to take the church. He didn't, you know, he was just so connected to Plano, but he heard from God and he came home to take the church. And Brother Mangan said here in this 40th anniversary, Brother Anthony Mangan said he feels God had him leave a thriving church that he was building in Plano, Texas to come back to Alexandria one of the main reasons for that was to start because of the times, which he started in 1984. I just, I can't tell you what that meant for me, but I just made notes about that because because I kind of have that story. You know, I came back home at the invitation of my father, and I'm sitting here wondering why <laughs> sometimes. Well, I'm already starting to see it. Actually, I know why, but it's just kind of neat to see it unfold, you know? A lot of pastor's sons, we all have reservations about coming home because, you know, our dads are great and can we fill their shoes and all of that? You know, that's how it is. And there was a lot of those themes. Uh, Gentry Mangan touched on that a little bit. Uh, Joel Urshan touched on that a little bit. A lot, a lot of preachers did. So just being transparent with you. So I felt a real nice connection there. Uh, after that first night, I went up to the altar call. I mean, I just wept. I just spoke in tongues for what I felt there in that moment. But then also thinking about all of the amazing experiences I'd had there uh, in years past it because of the times. I started going in the year 2000. Um, I was 17. It was the first PK thing. And uh, Robbie Mitchell, Pastor Robbie Mitchell, was one of the main producers of the PK thing. And I, I saw him this year. It was great to reconnect with him. And I told him, man, I was at your first PK thing. And he really ministered to me. And he's a PK. And he had a 
Well, let's just get spiritual here. Like when he was my age, 17, 18, he had, uh, had to do spiritual warfare for himself. He had unclean spirits appearing in his room. And I'm like, I remember hearing that. I thought, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one that had to deal with that stuff. And uh, it was nice to, you know, hear from somebody that knew a little bit about what I was going through, through their own experiences. But anyway, that it really ministered to me. So, I, so I, I went every year from 2000, I think, to 2014, 15, something like that. Many great years, but I just, I got busier with my church. Uh, my wife and I started having children. Just travel was just difficult to manage, but, you know, now things are a little bit different. More. Uh, motivation to go more of a reason to go now and so we're back and i'm looking forward to next year but let me tell you in the year 2004 20 years ago i was there i was a student at bible college i think i would have been about 21 then jerry dean phenomenal preacher he preaches a message for my name's sake and it was a lot about miracles signs and wonders and he invited all the young preachers to come up on that platform that wanted an impartation and I just ran up there on that platform. And let me tell you, the anointing was so thick on that platform. I mean, it was like God just dropped his own mantle just right there on that platform. And I feel these two hands on my head. And I look up, and it's Anthony Mangan. And he is prophesying over me. He, he knows this is Stan Gleason's son. And he's not shaking me, but he's like rocking me back and forth. And I will never forget the, the movement that was there. There was an anointing and a transformation and an impartation from Bishop Anthony Mangan from himself upon me in that moment. I, can't, I walked off of that platform different. And, and that after he preached, Brother Mangan came up, gave me a hug, talked to me a little bit. And I, and I said, Brother Mangan, I don't know if you remember in 2004, I ran up on that platform and you clamped down on me. He said, oh, yeah, I remember that, buddy. And so it was just neat to relive some of those moments. And a lot of people did. A lot of great stories were told from the uh, speakers, the panelists, about what past, or uh, excuse me, what uh, Because of the Times has meant to them. Very, very special. So uh, we're big fans of the Mangan family around here. Uh, Gentry Mangan was awesome. <laughs> told some really great, funny stories, but had a very, very compelling word about being strong. No matter how insignificant or small you may be, you know, just said, we're the giants. Keep on going. It was a great word. Uh, Vesta Mangan was awesome. Uh, something made it extra special. I bought uh, one of her latest books, some of her sermons, and I, and I had her sign it for me. You know, she's in her 90s and beautiful, elegant handwriting. Just amazing. She gave me the book, prayed over me, and, and prophesied in my life. And I wasn't expecting it, but my eyes were open to the spirit world around her. And just saw uh, incredible things. Told a few people there that I felt was appropriate. Uh, you know, my eyes were opened, actually, <laughs> in several instances because of the times. It's a powerful meeting. Uh, heaven works with that meeting. I saw, man, wow. There was a special anointing that came down on Joel Urshan. I'll just say that. I saw it, and I told him about it. It, it, was, it was special. He had a great word for us. It was the last message on the last night. He called it the Elevated City. And the point he made that really 
my greatest takeaway was this generation will drive Jebusites out. And I just feel that way around here in Kansas City. I, I feel like this, this city has not yet been conquered. I mean, nobody's city has. Nobody, nobody, I think, has turned their city upside down. But I don't know. There's just so much more to conquer and to accomplish as a church in this city. And I just feel like I'm driving stuff out to claim territory. So that really ministered to me. Uh, uh, Brother Blackshear, great preacher, had a great message. He called it Wounded Warriors. Had a statement, hell cannot hurt us, but we can hurt ourselves. Oh. I mean, I, yeah, watch out for enemies within. That's all I'm going to say. But he, he said, you know, David was not afraid of Goliath's spear, but he ran from Saul's. Wow. So it was a great conference. Tremendous. Loved it. Okay, uh, going back uh, a few months now, there was a story that, that I saw that really just interested me. You know, I, I, I followed the news here and there, but um, there was this Turkish politician that collapsed right after one of his speeches and, and died. It was uh, during a session in the Turkish, nation of Turkey, in the Turkish parliament. Saadet Party Koasili, probably mispronouncing that, was Deputy Hassan Bitmez, age 53. He suffered a heart attack shortly after delivering a speech critical of Israel. And you you can hear the sound of it right now, uh, speaking in the Turkish language, but this... uh, This is statesman. He's accusing the Turkish government of having endless love for Israel. And he blames them for contributing to the attacks by Israel. And he's, he's pointing his fingers in his address. And, you know, he's focusing on budgets and things like that. But he made a big statement about Israel saying, if history remains silent, the truth will not remain silent. They think that if they get rid of us, there will be no problem. However, if you get rid of us, you will not be able to escape the torment of, uh, of your conscience. Even if you escape the torment of history, you will not escape the wrath of Allah. When he ends on that Allah statement, he falls backwards. I mean, just right on his back. Rear end down, nose and toes up. And it's like everybody knew what happened. And I think medical professional walked, uh, professionals walked up there. Security walked up there. And some security guys reached down and grabbed his ankles, and they're looking down his uh, trousers. I think they're checking to see if he soiled his pants. I think they, they, they knew he probably died right then and there and checking to see if, uh, what came out. So a lot of people are saying this is the judgment of the real God because he put his words upon Israel. I don't know. If I would have been there in person and present, felt it, I probably could have determined that. But just reading the news, I'm not so sure. But this did happen in the Bible. You know, Naboth uh, crossed David. Boom, next day, heart attack. Out, gone. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament lied against the Holy Ghost and... Well, you know what happened. So, was this the judgment of God? It very well may have been. 
Look, this war is, I mean, it's hot blood. It's end times. Enemies are going to be surrounding Israel left and right. Israel is Israel. The church is the church. Uh, concerning the gospel's sake, Paul said there are enemies, but for the election, they are beloved. So don't let your love go away for Israel during the last days. Pray for them. Support them. Do whatever you can uh, to be sure that you <laughs> bless who God has blessed and not curse what God has cursed. All right? Very, very interesting stuff. Okay, uh, another one. Th- listen here to uh, T.D. Jakes. All of you who expect me to address a lie, you can log off. not address a lie. Hmm. Address a lie. I will not use this sacred day at this sacred pulpit to address a lie when I have a chance to preach a truth. I will stand straight up, head up, back straight, and preach the unadulterated and fallible word of God. Because that is what the pulpit is for. But there will be a time. If everything was true, all I got to do is repent sincerely from my heart. There's enough power in the blood to cover all kinds of sins. I don't care what it is, the blood would fix it. But I ain't got to repent about this. All I got to do is step over top of it and keep on going on. Glory to God, I'm not in trouble. Okay, so this is audio on uh, Sunday, December 24th, 2003, Christmas Sunday. Uh, some parts, and this is excerpts from from his sermon. Some parts of that sermon were very powerful, great Christmas message. Then some of it was just so sad and kind of cringy. I mean, my toes were curling in my shoes because of the, um, I guess, just accusations out there online. Some would call them the trolls, right? What happened was that week, that Christmas week, a viral TikTok video came out and it claimed that Bishop Jakes had gay relationships with multiple men of, at, a, at a Sean Combs party. Jakes. The video also alleged that years ago, Jakes groomed a former, a former mentee of his when he was a boy. And that boy's parents were paid off to keep quiet, but the mentee plans to come forward sometime in the near future. Yikes. Look, T.D. Jakes is a phenomenal preacher. Very successful, written great books. He's been really a force of good throughout the earth. And uh, from what I can tell, he's a oneness. He he, he has a, a, a oneness theology around oneness theologians. <laughs> but if you're Trinitarian, yeah, you're you're not going to back him up in a corner. He'll say what he needs to say to sound Trinitarian. <laughs> he's one of those guys, you know. Okay, whatever. All right, but he's a force of good, great preacher. This is concerning. Now, we try to base our decisions off facts, not speculation, but uh, come on, something does not feel right about any of this. And I know we're um, like 40 days out from this, but did you notice Bishop Jake's opening line? He, he, he said, I will not address a lie. But then he later says, there will come a time. 
So, um, what is this lie? You know, is it the is it what the accusations against Bishop Jakes are a lie, or has T D Jakes been living a lie? Hmm. So I know there's a lot of gay Christians out there, quote unquote great gay Christians out there that, you know, their mantra is God loves us as we are, you know. And they're just waiting for somebody like T D Jakes to affirm homosexuality, which he hasn't. He hasn't affirmed gay marriage. He's not really political about it. He's a he's a great uh he uses wisdom separation of church and state, which I do too. I do too. I don't want politicians telling you how to worship or what church to go to. And I'm a preacher, and I'm not going to tell you how to vote. It's a great, great uh, agreement we have here with each other. But, I mean, you look at him in, in this video. He's dressed in a red suit, got a white beard. He, kinda, he looks like a good Santa there. But I've just always noticed through the years, T.D. Jakes is always dressed a little too extra. The way he moves his hands, the way he walks, it is kind of an interesting deal. Uh, you remember Bishop Eddie Long during his uh, homo scandal? T.D. Jakes was right up there in his pulpit preaching and sweating. I mean, uh, <laughs> some uh, Eddie Long's, uh, I don't know, pulpit assistants threw up their wipe and sweat off of him. I mean, it was something. <laughs> and he got up in there and uh, covered and protected Eddie Long. Eddie Long was guilty. You know, we found out kind of a sad deal. So is anybody covering for T.D. Jakes? No. Matter of fact, they're all blasting him. There's that guy, Gino Jennings. He's calling him T.D. Snakes. That ain't good. I don't think it's good to go on the attack mode. But, um, you know, I, I know I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of being eerie gray here. I'm not being, you know, um, yay or nay on this. But it's just something doesn't feel right. And I tell you what I've done with this situation, as I do in all situations, when the mighty fall, of a biblical phrase, I've looked inward. And I, as the Bible has said, I have examined my own heart and I've repented. God humble. Because, you know, we're all flesh and we can all fall. And Bishop Jakes made a lot of money, celebrity status. A lot of times that stuff can just get you distracted and you can fall prey to temptation. And I don't want that to happen to me. And I'm doing everything I can to stay humble. And by God's grace, by God's grace, he has kept me from sin. Because I want to be a righteous man. The last thing we need out, out there is, a, is a, somebody's hip, hypocrisy to get exposed. But sin has its way of finding you out. It just does. God is not mocked. He can't stand it. Romans says, The wrath of God abides upon all those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. We've got to be righteous people. So confess your faults that you may be healed. You know, don't be a... I'm not saying everybody who's gay needs to identify themselves in the church. You can struggle in secret, but my God. If you've got sin in your life, you've got to repent or confess it. Step down and let the real men of God and the women of God take control. That's all I have to say about it. 
Hope you enjoyed the second segment. God bless you.